Guys, welcome to the I Love Seville show. I'm Jerry Miller. Thank you for joining us on a Monday. It's good to be with you. We're in um, downtown Charlottesville in our building, the Macklin Building, in our favorite place, place we call home, Charlottesville, Virginia. The show takes topics that are national and localizes them, and then it takes local topics and really unpacks them and takes a deep dive and, and, and really asks the question, why? That's kind of the essence of this show. We ask the question, why? And we try to answer it. If you look at the screen now, you'll see the headlines we're talking about today. We'll talk Bed Bath & Beyond, and you've you probably turned the news on today, and you see that Bed Bath & Beyond, the beleaguered home goods retailer, is filing for bankruptcy. In fact, in fact, it did it over the weekend. It filed for bankruptcy. So I ask the question, why? How is this going to impact Charlottesville? How is this going to impact our home? Um, Bed Bath & Beyond has... 36,450 square feet in Barracks Road Shopping Center. 36,000 plus square feet in the number one shopping district in a 300,000 person market. What does Federal Realty do with this shopping center if this store in fact closes? Harris Teeter's got the largest footprint in Barracks Road, 50,000 square feet. Kroger is the second largest, and Kroger is right behind Barracks Road, 48,896, call it 49,000 for Kroger. The third largest one in Barracks Road Shopping Center is Bed Bath & Beyond, 36,450 square feet. That's a massive space to fill, and as Deep Throat, one of our favorite listeners, said in a direct message to me, it's an odd layout as well. It's narrow, it's deep. And there's only frontage on one side of the building, and it's hard to slice up a space like that. You have to fill a space that's basically 30, that is 36,450 square feet if this place shuts down. And who benefits from this? Happy Cook benefits from this. I see Steve and Monique a handful of times a week. Love Steve and Monique's family, and I love what this family stands for. From a small business standpoint, they own the Happy Cook. You would think if Bed Bath & Beyond closes down in Barracks Road, that's going to be only incremental revenue for the Happy Cook. Remember, they beat up Williams-Sonoma in Stonefield and shut down the national chain Williams-Sonoma, the Happy Cook did. Bed Bath & Beyond closes, more potential business for something local like the Happy Cook. I also want to throw the pickleball idea out there. I've said it on this program. I said it last week. I've said it many weeks before, this 300,000-person market could undoubtedly support a for-profit indoor pickleball epicenter, one like Meg Charity was trying to launch in Richmond. She's currently doing it in Charlotte. It's called Rally. I talked about this last week, an 18-court epicenter coming to a former Macy's in the Richmond area. Why not take the Bed Bath & Beyond 36,450 square feet and see if you can turn this into a, a pickleball epicenter? Sports bar meets pickleball. 15 to 18 courts. You pay for court time. You do it on date night. You do it for a family activity, a friend activity. You do it inside. You do it under lights in a controlled weather environment. You have beers on tap. You have wine, you have sports bar food, you have TVs everywhere. The concept would crush it. 
You get 250 active players at Borsad. You probably have 200 active players at, at uh, Greencroft. You probably have 150 active players at Farmington. You probably have somewhere like 500 active players at the Central Virginia Pickleball Club. That's, those are just that we know of. You probably have another additional couple thousand players in Central Virginia. I would bet you the market for this concept is four to 5,000 people. It would crush it. It would crush it. Regardless, you're looking at a potential huge hole in Federal Realty's Barracks Road Shopping Center with Bed Bath & Beyond. Everyone saw this coming. And you know the next one to come? And you may disagree with me on this. I'll weave you in on a two-shot. I'll say good afternoon, Judah Wickhauer. The next one to come to Barracks Road is the fourth largest store there. The number one largest store is Harris Teeter. Harris Teeter at 50,000 square feet. Judah, I think you and I both think that Harris Teeter is safe for, for an extended period of time. I don't think the grocery delivery business is going to cannibalize in-store grocery purchases yet. Grocery delivery will, however, eventually cannibalize in-store grocery purchasing just like every other retail has been cannibalized, okay? That's not going to happen anytime soon. Harris Teeter, 50,000 square feet, Barracks Road, that's going to stay there for an extended period of time. Kroger Judah at 49,000 square feet, the second largest one, that'll stay there for an extended period of time. They're great compliments, Kroger and Teeter. Kroger a little bit of a value shopper, Teeter a little bit more of an elevated shopper. The third largest one, J-Dubs, is Bed Bath & Beyond, 36,450 square feet, beleaguered and over the weekend filed for bankruptcy. Do you know what the fourth largest one store in Barracks Road is? Hmm... What's the fourth largest store of viewers and listeners in Barracks Road Shopping Center? Number one, Teeter. Number two, Kroger. Number three, Bed Bath & Beyond. What's number four? You got this. Michaels? There it is. <clears throat> if Bed Bath & Beyond's not cutting it, why is Michaels going to make it? Are we going to make the legitimate argument that Michaels has a framing department and because of its framing department, it's going to help Michaels stay afloat? Are we going to make a legitimate argument that Michaels is more of a crafting store and because it's more of a crafting store, people like the textile of going into a store when it's crafting and touching what they're going to buy because they're going to craft with it later? Are we going to make a legitimate argument that the experiential nature of Michaels is going to keep this business afloat? Or are we going to be truly realistic that Michaels is a year, couple years, whatever you want to call it, from following Bed Bath & Beyond and its fate? Do we honestly think a crafting store at 30,000 square feet, the fourth largest in Barracks Road, is going to make it at this place for a long period of time? That's a that's a tough one. I mean, uh, you know, Michaels is a you know another big brand. I don't know. I haven't heard about uh, how they're doing nationally, but yeah, sadly, um, being uh, something of an artist, it's you know, it's a shame that you are an artist. You're a talented artist. I don't think you're something <laughs> of an artist. I've seen you are a talented artist. This guy. A lot of people don't realize this. I'm going to brag on Judah here. Savannah College of Art and Design, that's where his degree's from. The guy has a tremendous talent for painting, for sketching, for various forms of art, for framing. The guy's just fantastically creative. The creative nature, the textile and crafting nature of Michaels, maybe it has a little bit longer future because of that. Well, 
I was going to say it's sad that we lost the uh, the art supply store over by uh, over by the university. So I don't know how much of a life that uh, Michael's has here in town. What's the art supply store over by the university? Dylan's rule on Twitter. Hello, what's that? I, I mean, it isn't. It's gone now. It there was, was one. Which one? I, I mean, it's been <laughs> gone for a few years now. It was. Uh, I think there's probably a hotel in its place now. On the corner. Not right on the corner. It's like just off. Uh, like it's before you get to that last light before you go onto the bridge. Uh, it was off. I mean, if you're heading if you're heading up uh, if you're heading up Main Street towards UVA, it was on the left. Uh, like, I mean, I don't know how to explain it since it's all gone now. But yeah, there was an art store there, an art supply store. I used to go there for whatever I needed, whether it was brushes or paper or canvas or you know paints i mean they had all kinds of stuff it was a great little great little place uh i'm assuming they just weren't uh you know didn't have enough people come walking in the the doors on a regular basis. studio art and nora gaffney says it's called studio art studio art yeah i mean that sounds right it was uh it had what was it if i remember correctly it had like maroon slats across the windows. Uh, maybe I can find a picture of it. Studio art. Well, no, don't get distracted on this. Make your point but, here. Uh, but What's your point? The point is that, uh, that that went out of business. Michael's, I don't know how much... Uh, There's no way Michael's future is bright at 30,000 square feet in Barracks Road Shopping Center. At the price per square at Barracks Road, Michael's is effing hemorrhaging. What's the order you go to Michael's? And, 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 and anyone who goes to Michael's, how much are you spending in Michael's? For one thing, when we go to Michael's, my family, it's A, few and far between. B, it's often with a coupon. And C, it's always the last-ditch thought going to Michael's. It's always two or three other places before we go, oh, I bet Michael's will have it. Maybe we're doing like a school project where we're looking for those foam balls so we can build a planetary system. How many moms and dads watching this program have had to buy various sizes of foam balls at Michael's to create some kind of universe for their child's school science class. Jesus, how many science classes are keeping Michael's craft store in business with those various sized foam balls? That's the extent of what I've purchased, I think, at Michael's. Does anyone think an arts and craft store needs 30,000 square feet in the most expensive shopping district in a 300,000-person market? Or does everyone realize, like I realized, that Michael's is the next shoe to fall in these big shopping centers? And here's 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 a legitimate question for you. And are we putting the lower thirds on screen for what we're talking about? No. We now have multiple viewers and listeners reminding us to do this. Um, Bill McChesney says the Draftsman Hotel is where that art store was located that Judah was talking about. Yeah. Let me ask you this, viewers and listeners. We've all seen the leisure and the convenience and the luxury and the efficiency and the approachability of Instacart or grocery delivery. If the digital nature, if 
ordering groceries become so approachable and so ubiquitous with devices, with phones? I mean, because once you get an order in on some of these devices, it saves your order for you. So now all you have to then go is click reorder. And then all the stuff that you bought is already in the cart again. And then you just go pick it up or get delivered. If you buy that stuff every week, yeah. I mean, generally families do, though. I mean, generally families are buying the same stuff every week. Here's my point. We made the argument, and you see this with Starbucks on West Main Street. Starbucks on West Main, where the Pizza Hut used to be, they have a pickup location only. It's only for orders you do on your phone, and you pick up the order only. It's not an inside location. Pickup yeah. only. Why would that not be the future of groceries? Right, because f- who wants to deal with you? Who wants to deal with the process <laughs> of going to a grocery store for an hour and change? They're already taking away the idea of, 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 of bagging groceries for you. You're now bagging your own groceries. You're now going through your own shopping lines yourself and having to swipe the items yourself. It's Some places. Ca- most places. It's absolute <laughs> chaos in a grocery store. This is my point. The future of grocery in a Class A place like Barracks is not great. The future of grocery is probably um, a warehouse or some kind of Class C space, and mm. people then go up and park their cars in front of it, and the groceries get delivered to their cars right outside the Class C space, or they get gal- delivered to their door from uh, Walmart or Amazon or some kind of delivery service. So what's the future of these major shopping centers without groceries as the internet and as phones eventually cannibalize the in-person experience? I mean, how the hell is Barracks Row going to replace 50,000 square feet Harris Teeter, 49,000 square feet Kroger, 36,000 square feet Bed Bath & Beyond, and 30,000 square feet Michaels? That right there is a hundred and... I'm doing quick math, and this is just a rough number. 170,000, 166,000 square feet with four stores, with odd layouts, yeah, limited I mean, if, frontage. If they all emptied out next week, uh, that would be a, a major hit to the, uh, to the company. But. Right. But you're right. I, the Grocery ain't going to happen anytime soon. Right. Michael's future, I'm not bullish on. I think it all depends on, uh, on how much their uh, corporate is willing to pay to, to keep their various, you know, their various spots open. Federal Realty, publicly traded company. You can buy a piece of the company um, today if you like. Logan Wells Claylo watching the program right now. Logan um, thank you for watching. Nora Gaffney says she really misses that store, Judah. It had so much. Yeah, I loved it. It, it was, was great. besides the cane furniture on West Main Street. Yeah. It was a great little spot. It was a shame when, it, uh, when, we, lo- when we lost it. <clears throat> so if you're just tuning into the program, Bed Bath & Beyond filed for bankruptcy over the weekend. We are wondering what the future is of their location in Charlottesville and Barracks Road. They have 36,000 square feet. It's the third largest store in Barracks Road Shopping Center. Number one, 50,000 square feet, Harris Teeter. Number two, 49,000 square feet, Kroger. Number three, 30, 36,450 square feet, Bed Bath and & Beyond. And number four is uh, Michael's at 30,000 square feet. Next topic, if you want to get the lower third up there with Doma Kitchen. 
Doma Korean Kitchen is for sale. The asking price is $449,500. There are some photos from one of the links that I sent you, J-Dubs. It's the second to last link on the bottom. That if you can get any of the photos on screen and then give me a thumbs up when they are. Doma is damn good. Have you, has anyone been to Doma Korea, Korean Kitchen that's watching this show? My wife loves this place. The interior is on screen. All right, so we got photos on screen of Doma Korean Kitchen that's currently for sale. The listing just went active. The asking price is $449,500. Gross revenues at this location, $1,335,055. Gross revenues of over 1.3 million. The rent is very reasonable, 2,300 a month for the rent for Doma Korean Kitchen on West Main Street. 2,300 a month the rent. That's very reasonable. Um, some inventory is purchasable. The building is just under 1,700 square feet. The lease expires in 2031, so you have eight years plus on your lease. Currently, it's being run with five employees. Five employees. Um, seller financing, potentially, but you're going to have to put up a sizable down payment. You rotating those photos on there? Uh, there's only one photo. Thank you. John Blair on LinkedIn. Welcome to the show. Thanks, J-Dubs. Doma's good. Have you had a chance to add Doma? It's good. Um, they have various bowls. They serve these bowls, and these the bowls are served extremely hot. <laughs> and then the ingredients are layered in the bowls. You mix them up. The bowl cooks the ingredients as you're eating them. The bowl is so hot. The flavor profile is fantastic. A lot of spice with the menu. The, the ambiance and the uh, feel for the restaurant are very creative Doma Korean Kitchen, for sale, $449,500 asking price. All right, um, next lower third, as we go through some news today on the show. Um, a Charlottesville real estate firm bought an industrial warehouse complex in the Richmond area. Last month, BMC Holdings purchased an industrial complex at 1320 School Street in Richmond's north side for $3.3 million. BMC Holdings is a uh, jack-of-all-trades in the real estate business. It was founded in Charlottesville in 2008. BMC is a real estate developer, investor, and property manager. The owner and founder of the company is a gentleman named Robbie Knoll. Robbie Knoll and his company, BMC, own 40 properties throughout Central Virginia and the Southeast. He says each of these properties is in the uh, 2 to $10 million range. He likes the industrial and warehouse space, which he just purchased for $3.3 million, 1.6 acres, 48,000 square feet, 123-year-old building for $3.3 million. He likes this type of real estate because he says it's few and far between. And we're seeing that. Are we on a two-shot? This guy, Robbie Knoll of Charlottesville, who owns a company called BMC Holdings, a Charlottesville-based company. He owns 40 properties. 
Those properties range from $2 million to $10 million each. So this man's got a sizable holding, sizable real estate holdings. He says he's going after industrial and warehouse space and urban rings in various markets in the Commonwealth. Hmm. He straight up has identified a shortage of hmm. industrial and warehouse space in the urban ring. Well, we just talked about what happens when people stop going to the grocery stores. And when they stop going to the grocery stores, you need warehouses. You need somewhere to put all that food if someone's going to deliver it to you. This quote resonated with me from the article. This was in Richmond Biz Sense. You can find this guy's on Richmond Biz Sense. This really resonated with me. When we started BMC, this is Robbie Knoll, the owner of the company, talking. When we started BMC, most of our product was, was student housing near UVA, but we've branched off from that quite a bit. Now it's mostly commercial. We are exceedingly bullish on this type of warehouse and industrial complex type of property. We feel there's a growing scarcity of industrial properties, especially within the urban ring. It's not the pretty side of real estate, but we stick to what works well. I also heard that from a lot of the guys that do brewing, making beers, that they can't find enough space to brew beer in the urban ring. And I want somebody to think about this. If you were to think about Charlottesville City and the Almoral County Urban Ring, how many warehouses can you name? There's so few, right? Yeah. Where would you find warehouses in Charlottesville City or the Urban Ring? So if we're like Judah said, and you said something extremely intelligent, mm -hmm. if we're heading to this place where all our shopping is done digitally or on our phone, and then either delivered to us or we go to a location to pick it up, yeah. then <clears throat> that, that, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it the nexus where all the stuff is delivered from? The starting point? The hub? Hub, thank you. That hub has got to be located centrally for people to go to it or to optimize the delivery process. That's, so, what, uh, that's what Amazon has been doing. I mean, right. that's, why they, that's why they contact cities and ask for all their information and decide whether or not they've got the best tax write-off deal or the best uh, no-taxes deal to, uh, to buy a, a warehouse or warehouses there. And, uh, and basically, I mean, it's not really that great for, it's not nearly as good for the cities as they think it is when, when they first hear the deal coming. But, um, but yeah, I'm, if you're going to, if you're going to deliver stuff all over the, the United States, you need little hubs all over the United States, unless you can, you know, unless you reasonably think you can transport something across the, you know, across the country. And who wants to do that? In a day. Right. And this guy's buying little hubs. Yep. You see how the talk show is all related with the topic matter that we try to put together for you? To lead the show, we talked about a national brand filing for bankruptcy over the weekend. 
We wondered what the future was of their location in Charlottesville, 36,000 square feet at the most expensive shopping district. And we highlighted how us as consumers have changed our habits from going into 36,000 square feet epicenters to buying stuff online, having it delivered to us, or waiting in our cars in the air condition inside, outside the car as stuff is packed into our car by employees inside. Then we highlighted a local firm in Charlottesville that is buying up warehouse space at Urban Rinks. Find me a warehouse in Charlottesville or Albemarle County's Urban Ring. Find me one that's open or for rent or vacant or purchasable. I bet you'd struggle to find that. Yeah. One of our clients is a custom home builder. We have a weekly conference call with this client every Tuesday and in-person meetings once a month at their office. He asked Judah and I to help them find commercial space hmm. for his custom home building company. He needed space for a handful of trucks and an opportunity to meet his clients. Struggled to find a spot that met that criteria. Yeah. Love what this Robbie Knoll guy is doing at BMC. $3.3 million for a warehouse space on 1.6 acres that's 123 years old, 48,000 square feet, and Northside Richmond. Love this concept. BMC. All right, a couple more topics here, J-Dubs. Um, I found this intriguing, and I wanted to relay it to you as you put up the lower third. Nest Realty has a downtown office. It's now for rent. If you could show the photos of Nest Realty's office downtown and put the lower third on screen. Nest Realty on Garrett Street in downtown Charlottesville on the building next to ACAC, the building behind South Street Brewery. It's a building in between the X Park and the downtown mall. They had Nest built a super sexy headquarters for their super sexy brand and real estate firm and their booming company. And it was downtown. It had offices. It had cubicles. It had a fish tank. It had bobbleheads of Nest Realty agents. It had branding. It had an open floor plan. The ceilings were removed. It was sexy. I mean... How Jonathan Kaufman and this team built this office, they, they did, they spared no expense. It was a sexy build. That office is now for rent. Nest Realty's downtown office, 5,100 square feet, is for rent. 126 Garrett Street, 5,100 square feet of office space for lease available immediately. You know what this tells me, Judah? Are you? Did you rotate the photos? Uh, yeah, put the for the first photo on. Okay, if you want to rotate the photos of the inside of the office, is it just the one we have? Uh, I can get some more. No, no, it's fine. You just put the exterior up. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. You know what this tells me? Fifty one hundred square feet. The the real estate firm doesn't need this. Yeah. Real estate firm doesn't need this. Right. Tell me, Nest Realty's now renting its downtown office, its headquarters in Central Virginia. Tell me a real estate firm in Central Virginia that has a sexy headquarters. 
you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> I was more rhetorical. Yeah. yeah. More rhetorical. I think Sasha Farmer's got, got a great office on Ivy Road. I think Sasha Farmer, one of the smart... Sasha makes a lot of smart moves. Sasha Farmer does. Um, and I think one of the sm- many smart... One of the many th- smart aspects of Sasha Farmer's brand and business is buying that office on Ivy Road. She took an off... She took a residential... I was probably commercial before she bought it. And mm-hmm. she put her firm there. That's got great drive-by traffic, very affluent customer base driving by there. I think that was a great move by Sasha. The point of what I'm saying is the firm, real estate firms are moving away from these Class A office spaces, just like every other industry is going, moving away from. And where they're moving to is stuff that like we're owning and managing, executive office space, an opportunity for you to get a 150-square-foot office that looks really good and looks the part that you can use for a short period of time, get in, get out, do your business, and roll. 5,100 square feet, downtown Charlottesville, now for rent, available immediately. Yes, Sasha does, Jamie Turner. 100% agree with you, Jamie Turner. Story House and Sasha, she does, she's got a sexy office. Um, and Bill McChesney, you're right, that's the old Gleason building, the Nest Realty office. And, dude, I, I did a real estate transaction in there. I sold my, I personally represented myself when selling my house in Redfields on Rockledge Drive. And uh, what's her name? Erin. Erin Hall? Yeah, it's Erin Hall. Erin Hall was representing the buyers of the folks buying my house on Rockledge Drive. And we met, I met Erin. She was a Nest agent. I think she's an associate broker. I met Erin at that office in downtown Charlottesville to sign the paperwork, to sign the contract. And that office is, is, is beautiful. I mean, it's, it's slick, dude. It's slick. Um, 5,100 square feet. I would not be surprised if that's chopped up, though. I would not be surprised if that 5,100 square feet by the landlord is chopped up into either two... Uh, you know, 2,500 square foot offices or even three. I would not be surprised if that's chopped up into three. All right, you're still going to have to give us the Yiddish word of the day, and I'm going to get to viewer and listener comments. But before I get to viewer and listener comments, Tom Tom Festival was a smash success. Paul nice. Beyer, smash success. They had the beer garden. The only complaint from people with the beer garden was the beers were priced at $10. Um, I understand $10 is a tough pill to swallow for people to drink a beer outside and walk up and down the downtown mall, but you got to remember the owners of the restaurants are having to put additional staff on to staff the outside point of sale for the beer. And they got to make some money. $10, come on. Tom Tom Festival, I'm bringing this up because the downtown mall had a weekend that would, it was packed from start to finish. There was no, not an iota or mention of violence. You got to change the lower third. Not an iota mention of violence. Everyone got along, police and citizens. People made money. People smiled. People partied during the day. People partied during the night. And they got up and they partied and they did it again. You had an open air beer garden. You had the downtown mall buzzing. You had people going in and out learning and loving and living. And it was great. And it's 
um, an opportunity for me on this microphone with this platform to say something positive about eight blocks that I love dearly, and that's the downtown mall. So Paul Beyer and your team, job well done. Tom Tom Festival, job well done. Charlottesville Police Department, job well done. Citizens of Charlottesville, job well done. Merchants of Charlottesville, job well done. Let's have more events like this that drive people downtown in an experiential setting. It's what we want, right? Anything you want to add on that? No. Job well done. Yeah. We give props and praise, and we're doing it right now. We got a Yiddish word of the day coming up. Hey, there's Peter Krebs. Hello, Peter. Good to see you. Uh, John Blair's got a comment, and then we'll get to the Yiddish word of the day. He says on LinkedIn, John Blair, as of 2013, only 3.23% of the land in Charlottesville is zoned industrial. This is one of the re- this is one reason for a record scratch on the Flum zoning ordinance. This lack of industrial land should be addressed. Here's the link to the study. Oh, thank you, John. As of 2013, only 3.23% of the land in Charlottesville is zoned industrial. That is minimal. Mm-hmm. That puts, that's why like this industrial warehouse space is so valuable. Yeah. Because people are going to still need that. Mm-hmm. They, they may not need the sexy boardroom. But they're going to need some kind of space to pack the stuff and to sell it. Yeah. Thank you, JB. You want to, anything you want to add before we get to Yiddish word? Uh, Maria Marshall Barnes says, Scottsville Tire Plant has been unoccupied since 2009. Hmm. That, that may also have to do with the alleged asbestos in that tire plant and the I would say the owner not putting much care into the building. Dr. Hurt, not trying to throw shade on you. Love you, Dr. Hurt. Todd Rath of Blue Toad Heart Cider says, Remax Rod Phillips in Crozet. Let's give him some props to Rod Phillips. Rod Phillips, Rod Phillips does do a good job with branding. Someone tell Rod Phillips I'm talking about him here. Or I'm giving him props. Rod Phillips understands the concept of branding. Rod Phillips is sponsoring the Pro Renata Music Hall. Rod Phillips has a sign promoting his business on Ivy Road. Hmm. And Rod Phillips does as good a job as any agent I've seen of working like the tennis scene with his business. Rod, you do a hell of a job. You're welcome on the show anytime, Rod Phillips. What's the Yiddish word, J-Dubs? The Yiddish word is nudnik. What is it? Nudnik. Come again? Nud Nick. Nud Nick. What's yeah. a Nud Nick? Nud Nick is a pesty nagger. A pesty nagger? Yeah. What's a pesty nagger? Someone that uh, nags you nonstop. So Jerry was a Nud Nick when he kept pesting, pestering Judah to change the lower third to make sure it was on the topic we were talking about? Yeah. Don't I'm Nud Necking you? Don't be such a Nud Nick. Can I turn that into a verb? Nud Necking? Yeah, maybe. If you want to, you can try. It's, well, does the definition allow that? I mean, this is Yiddish. They've got uh, their own... So we kind of make our own definition? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think you're allowed to just turn any, any Yiddish word into a... A verb? Yeah. Well, can you kindly change the lower third to the Yiddish 
Shoot, mm. shoot, sport of the day. Nudnik is spelled N U D. Okay. N I K. Nudnik means to be a pest. Yeah. Or persistent. Pester. A pester. Jerry was a nudnik when he constantly asked me to change the lower third on screen. Yeah. Is that a nudnik or a boss? There's a um, fine line between a nudnik and a boss. Yeah. There is, well, I wouldn't say it's a fine line. <laughs> oh, God, I love it. Asking, uh, what, are you, what are you working on? What oh, work- this is a good comment, right? What are you one? working on? This is a good... What are you working on? What are you working on? <laughs> are we there Dude, yet? You leave for half the day. Are we there and yet? I, and I, and okay. I somehow managed oh. to... Okay. <laughs> Jason Howard. Kroger and Harris Teeter are owned by the same company, by the way. Yeah, he we- says, Kroger is buying Albertsons, which will create the largest grocery company in the nation. Uh-oh. To be FTC compliant, they will have to close or spin off hundreds of locations. No list has been floated yet, but who's to say one of those two at Barracks Road won't close to make the deal compliant? Jason Howard, King of Rio Road. Great comment. Hold on. Jason Howard. Did you hear that? Yeah. Great comment. I'm going to relay that one again for the viewers and listeners. Kroger and Harris Teeter are owned by the same company, Jerry and Judah. Kroger is buying Albertsons, which will create the largest grocery company in the world. Or excuse me, the nation. Nation. To be FTC compliant, they will have to close or spin off hundreds of locations. No list has been floated yet, but who's to say one of those two will not be in the Barracks Road Shopping Center? That's a great comment. Yeah. Bob Yarbrough says, not only Barracks, there's another Kroger right down the street. Yeah. So maybe it's the Kroger that closes there. Because mm-hmm. there is another Kroger right down the street. Yeah. Literally. Literally. So close. Those would be and massive. That, and that Kroger is right across the street from, uh, from the Whole Foods. And, uh, and a giant. And probably a food line. No. No. But they, they do seem to spring up next to each other. Yeah, there are a lot of them. There's so many of them. Mm-hmm. We're over-groceried. Are we not over-groceried? I think I've done in, a show on this. In some areas. Well, too, well said. That's, that's true. Because you're still, still saying there's food deserts. Yeah. Yeah. We're over-groceried in the areas where we don't need to be over-groceried, where everyone has cars, where they can get to the grocery stores. Right. And then in the areas where people don't have cars... We have a serious lack of grocery. It's life, man. Makes perfect sense, right? Makes, per- <laughs> makes perfect sense. They put all the grocery stores in the one spot where everybody has vehicles to go around. But in the spots where no one has cars, they don't put any groceries for people to walk to. Yeah. Perfect sense. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. I mean, I've, I've always thought the, the planning in Charlottesville was a little off. but You? I mean, you've got... All of us. <laughs> roads that turn back on themselves and... Change names three times. Yeah. Look at this upzoning thing and how that's been handled. Yeah. But if, we, if, we, if we're too uh, persistent with how we point out how poorly it's been handled, then we become a what? Nudniks. A nunniks. Then we're nunniks. 
Maybe, uh, maybe. I don't know. Are we spell are, are is good citizenship being? Uh, how do you say it? How do you spell it again? How do I spell Nudnik? Yeah. N u d n i k. Is n u d i k. N i k. Nudnik is, is, is being a good citizen being a good Nudnik. No. It's not. No. Why? You're saying being a good citizen involves being a nag? Being persistent with government. I don't know if that falls under the umbrella of nudnickery. <laughs> you just turned... <laughs> it you wasn't said, an adjective. I thought you said we... No, I was trying to turn mine into a verb. <laughs> What you did, that was an adverb. That was an adverb, <laughs> which you just did. I'll take your word for it. Oh, God. That was so funny. <laughs> Besides, Mon- I'm half Jewish. I'm allowed to do that. Yeah. Are you not allowed to... Are we not allowed to use you to talk about Yiddish words? I am. Stop. <laughs> You're so ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. That's the Monday edition of this fine and fair talk show. I want to add one other thing, though. Oh, that's uh, you rare. Mentioned that's earlier, rare. You mentioned earlier about, uh, I, I think it was in reference to the uh, Tom Tom Festival and there being no, uh, no uh, tomfoolery, uh, no uh, violence or anything like that. You know, we spend episode after episode talking about... Uh, talking about violence in Charlottesville and gunshots, and I see stuff on uh, you know online on social media about you know oh you know basically making a joke of the you know how many days since uh, since you know like workplace accident except how many days since there was a since somebody heard a gunshot in Charlottesville yeah it's it's been quite a few days I know and you know we tend to we come to Come down. We tend oh, to come like down going with this. pretty hard on uh, on certain portions of the city when things are not going the way that we like. But I don't hear a whole lot of uh, praise when things are are going well. I, me. well said, God, Judah, 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 Judah. So I think some praise is in order. We Chief, haven't Chief Conscious. Yeah. Let's go. So you want to start there? Yeah. Let's All right, praise go. Chief Conscious. Let's praise the. Uh, Do we chant his name? The Chief Conscious. If you Chief Conscious. Chief Conscious. That was great. Keep going. Let's praise also the men and women in blue. Men and women in blue. Who work men and women hard. in blue. And the best, the best type of you know, the best type of uh, what would you call it? Government uh, uh, employee. Is the type that you never notice. Yeah. You know what I want from my city councilors? I say this all the time. I want my city councilors to be quiet, consistent, and in the background. Yeah. That's all I want from Charlottesville City Council. Right. Be quiet, be consistent, and be in the background. Yeah. You, you know the best kind of governance? The best kind of governance is the kind of governance that gets no attention and no accolades. Yeah, you know who the hero on the, a lot of times on a on the uh, on the football field is. It might be the kicker who hits the game-winning kick, 
But what right. about the long snapper and the holder who, who snapped the ball and held the ball for the game-winning kick? Right. The only time mm-hmm. the long snapper or the holder gets any attention is when they drop the ball. It's when they screw up. That too often, that's the that that's the way it is in uh, in every sector. You you know you hear about it because there's a problem. Because they screw up. But when there's no problems, does anybody ever say, "Hey, what's the long snapper's name?" Uh, long snapper Jones. <laughs> long snapper Jones. I don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> exactly. No one knows. <laughs> no one knows. Why does no one know? They only know when he screws up. Yeah. We haven't talked about Chief Conscious. Right. Things are going great. He must be doing something right. He must be doing something right. We haven't been talking about Chief Conscious. He's doing something right. Well said, Judah. That's a perfect way to close. Excellent closing, my friend. Jerry Miller and Judah Wickhauer on the I Love Seagull Show. We're back tomorrow. Have a good afternoon.